This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Can you hear me? Some of you, can you hear me? Yes, good. Excellent. Morning. I tell you what, oh, those videos for compassion just wreck you, don't they? Poverty is evil, isn't it? Poverty is evil on this earth. Lord Jesus, break the chains that bind. Empower us to break the chains that bind. Because what money gives you is choices. And what poverty does is keep people down and give them no choices. And that is wrong and ungodly. And we pray against that, don't we? And it starts with us. Oh, come next week. It's amazing. Right, so um, I've been thinking a lot about this word, really, really thinking. And I'm preaching today on um, Joseph from the Bible. Just to clarify, not preaching on my son, letting you all know everything he does, although come to see me later, I'll fill you in. Um, He's not here this morning, and um, before I get into it, he's got some exams this week, Um, so um, if you have just a little minute, a little spare prayer going, could you pray for the small but perfectly formed Parry family this week, please? That would be marvellous, and uh, you know, just because exams are horrible. Some of us deal with them better than others. Some of us get into a real state when we're in that hour and a half in a room and it's unpleasant. So if you've just got a little minute to remember him this week, um, I can only say that because he's not here, because he would leather me if he thought I was saying this. Well, that's another thing about the small but perfectly from Parry family. We're not very good at being vulnerable. But uh, you know what? That's a lesson right there, so we've got to. So... Do you know what I've been thinking a lot about? Thoughts, feelings, and actions. I do a lot of emotional health in my work with young people, and I've been thinking about this word, incidentally. I'm a bit nervous this morning, so I'm talking fast, and I'll move more, so you have to keep up. Is that all right? Yeah. Just, you just have to deal with it. I'm not changing. That's how fixed my thinking is. Right, so... Um, so, I've been thinking lots and lots about this, and the last word I brought, I, I think, was a really personal word. You know, some words are corporate words, aren't they? But it was a word individually for us to take on. The word this morning, equally, is a word for you to take away. Okay, so don't look at people sitting next to you and go, that's for them. All right, this word, you know, Caris has said it's about expanding your own capacity, it's about finding your own relationship, it's about breaking the, t- the chains that bind you and moving on empowered with your own relationship with God. Today, this word is for you. Okay, so don't be looking and going, I'm glad they were here. They, they, they really needed that, isn't it? You know, because that's what we do, isn't it? We sort of abdicate responsibility of the word onto people we think needed to hear that. No, you need to hear this. I needed to hear it, and God has told me it. And now I am doing my best, endeavouring to live it. So I am bringing it to you to take on board personally. Is that okay? And I've been thinking a lot about our thought life. A lot of the emotional health stuff we do, it's like an iceberg. So there's thoughts, feelings, and actions. The thoughts are right at the bottom. It's your thought life is the most important part of your life because it motivates um, feelings, which then motivates behavior, and it's cyclical. So if the outcomes are positive, your behavior and actions will be positive, giving you positive feelings, giving you positive thoughts. Conversely, that's known as a virtuous cycle. If it's the other way, it becomes a vicious cycle where your negative thinking encourages thoughts and feelings that are increasingly negative and your behavior will reflect that. Are you with me? So as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. The Bible tells us. So, but we have the mind of Christ. Just me. I hate to like lord it over you, church, but you know. Right, no, you have the mind of Christ. If you are a son of God, if you are a believer, if you are a child in his family, you have the mind of Christ. 
Yes? And that is what we need to grip onto. So today I'm bringing you the character of Joseph. I adore Joseph. I adore him. And he just demonstrates, doesn't he, how man's actions and thoughts and feelings. He has got this life that is, there's so much in there. All right? Can I encourage you, if you are not a regular Bible reader, please read the book of Genesis. Please read the book of Genesis. Go back tonight and start the book of Genesis. It's long. I ain't lying. But you know what? There is gold in there. Because if you want to understand the New Testament fully, read Genesis. You know, if you want to get to the root of who Jesus is, read Genesis. So we start in Genesis. And this is vital, okay? For the way we think and the way we do things. I've got loads of notes written down. I never usually write this many notes. So this is going to take hours. So I hope you're all right with it. Okay? <laughs> you think I'm joking? Our thoughts are a minefield, and I want to bring to you Joseph. Can we reveal the legends, the words on screen? Can I first recommend to you this book? A lot of what I've said today has um, bits of it are in this book, and this is a book I bought years and years and years ago in a Christian bookshop, and I adore it. It is something I return to regularly. It's called Down to Earth Spirituality Encountering God in the Ordinary Boring Stuff of Life. Okay, so it's about being ordinary, extraordinary. I think, you know, sometimes we look at our lives and think, what can I do? Look at me, I'm just so boring. My life is nothing. I'm not in a massive, huge church. You know, so what am I going to do? But God goes, do you know what? It is, you are extraordinary. You are that extraordinary Christian that C.S. Lewis talks about. You are extraordinary because your saviour is extraordinary. And this book is all about Jacob. And it's all about his life. And it goes to everything. It is fabulous. If anybody wants to borrow it, you can't. Right, you have to buy your own. No, I don't. <laughs> People don't give books back. No. Rotters, there's a special place in hell for you. No, right, okay. So here we go. It's Genesis chapter 37. It's Joseph. He's awesome. Let's read this, okay? Is it up there? Good. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. He's a clecker, right? Tale teller. There's always one in a family, isn't there? <laughs> right. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age and made him a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Do you see what's happening here already? And you're all thinking, why does she love Joseph? I love Joseph. Because it goes on. Right? But don't worry about this bit. We'll be moving on. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Fab. Families. Don't you love them? <laughs> this is awesome. Okay? Um, and they hated him all the more because of the dream and what he said. In this dream... <laughs> Listen to this dream I had. We were binding up sheaves of corn out in the field, and suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, where your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to her. Just saying. <laughs> His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Oh, do you know... Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And when his father, as well as he told his father, as well as his brothers, because, you know, that's confidence right there, isn't it? Okay? And his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? 
Will your mother and I and brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept this matter in mind. Yeah. Right? Now, I love Joseph. I've said that several times now, and I shan't stop. He was a boy with a future. Right? As are we all. And this pa- the, the title of today is Calling and Vocation. Okay? So if you're making notes, Calling and Vocation. Right? So he was the golden child. Jacob had waited years, had he not, for his wife. In the meantime, he had married other people. I know, don't go there. And had other children. But Joseph was the son of Rachel. Joseph and Benjamin, his youngest sons, and he loved them. How many of you right now are just playing in your head the songs from the musical? I know you are, because I know I am. Joseph, he was Jacob's favourite son. Right, so he was. So he was that, and he made him a coat. So you know what now, right? So he's the loved son. He gets special clothes from his father. Right? Even though in one this bit, he's out with the flocks. In the next bit, his father sends him out because he was excused from doing the hard shepherding work that all his other brothers had to do. Okay? So he was exempt from all of that. He was loved. He was adored. He had dreams in which he knew God was telling him he would have a position. Yes? Are you with me? So he knew all of this. And he had that exuberant confidence of youth. And probably a little bit of sticking it to his brother's spirit as well. Because, come on, don't think he was just going, oh, hiya, guess what, I had a dream. He was like this, uh, I had a dream. You were bowing down to me. You know, it's, it's, it's about that, isn't it? It's about one-upmanship, right? So, but he knew God had something planned for him. And if there's one thing we've learned from Joseph throughout his whole history is that he was always ready to listen to God. Always. And God prospered him. And he was always ready to say, all right, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. Now, his life is ones of ups and downs. Because on the flip side, even though he knew he was loved, these are great things. You know, in terms of what we work with young people, we call things that happen, especially under the ages of 18, when there are traumatic events, we call them adverse childhood events. And we know that these can dramatically affect a child's outcomes in terms of brain development because of the way things... So like traumatic bereavements, any bereavement, abuse, domestic violence, all those adverse childhood events can really affect the outcomes of a child. Yes? Okay, so we know that happens. So Joseph had already been set up to win. Okay? So he was loved. He was so loved. He was in a family... He was clothed, he was fed, he was warm, there was no neglect, and he knew that God had a position for him in his future. So he was all set. But he was also a stirring little telltale, right? He was also a teeny bit arrogant and proud. And he was also entitled. Okay? So we have to balance those things, don't we? But what God does with Joseph, and I am getting to my points. Don't worry, I just love talking this bit. I like the sound of my own voice. I'm not going to lie to you. But, you know, we're uh, just, just going to go with that. So there are a series of unfortunate events in Joseph's life. A series. And what happens is, so he goes out to meet his brothers who kidnap him and throw him in a pit. Then they decide, do you know what? It's really wrong to kill him. Thumbs up. So what they do is they, do, they sell him into slavery. Oh, because that's better. So while he's in slavery, okay, he gets sold to the house of a powerful Egyptian. There, he gets accused of rape. Okay? He gets thrown into jail. He's languishing in jail until he is rescued because God gives him dreams and the interpretation of dreams. So he is rescued. Ultimately, he is reunited with his brothers and reconciled with his father. It comes to fruition. And then... 
there is the double portion blessing. His children are given the half, two half tribes to make up the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph's name means, may he add. You know, it starts small, and you may know you have these amazing things going on in your life, and you will have a roller coaster to get to where you need to go. But ultimately, God will have his way, and his plan, and his purpose, and the fruition will be to his glory, not yours. The fact that you can have benefit and be blessed by him is all his grace. Yes? So very often, and this is what I'm coming to, is that we look at our life as a series of events because we all know God has a plan for us, yes? yes. We all love the fact that God has a plan for us, yes? yes? But some of us look at our plan and think, do you know what, Lord? Hey, thumbs up, tick, there's a plan. I'm not really happy with the way this is being meted out in my life just yet. I would quite like you to, I don't know, speed things up a little. I would quite like some more positive rather than negative outcomes. Joseph's life took years. It took years and years and years and years and separation from his loved ones to bring him into a place where God had knocked off all those edges and he could say, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. Okay? So you need to be in that place where you are living your life fully in the knowledge that what God is doing is bigger than what is going on right now. Okay? We all right with that bit? Okay, because we've got some points. I've only got two points, because that's how kind I am to you this morning. Two points. One, two. Two points. Yeah, Luke? Two points. Okay. So, vocation and calling. The Latin word, vocatio, means calling. Now, very often, we think of vocation as our career, as our job. Right? I want us to... to hmm. I want us to focus today on the fact that God has a unique calling for every single one of us. And it is up to us to respond to him to see that played out in our lives. I can't look at you and think, wow, this amazing calling on your life right now in this season and be envious because that is your calling. What I need to do is look at my life, listen to my God and say, let's do this. Right? So what you do, you're in a position where God is calling. Because once you have a calling, a vocation, and don't make the mistake of thinking now, church, right? We know that there are big churches where people are in full-time ministry, and we say hallelujah to that. But I want you to grasp today that part-time ministry is not an option. If you are a Christian today, you are in full-time ministry. Right? Wherever you are, wherever you walk, you stand on holy ground, you stand in the name of the living God. It is your vocation to spread his glory wherever you go. You are in full-time ministry. Yeah? You with me on this? Because what we do then is we are walking reflexively and obediently with him and he is calling on. I am following. So what is here? That's gone. But I'm going this way. Right? And I go this way with him. So whatever, ever encounters my path, I am confident that I am doing that with God. It is fully empowering. You with me? Not enabling, which is where entitlement comes from. So that I enable all your bad behaviours while you're on your walk. But the empowerment of God brings me closer to him through Christ Jesus. So I see myself more clearly. So I need to know what I can change more clearly. And then I walk on empowered doing it. Yeah? Because the first thing about calling, and your occupation can be your calling. I'm a nurse. Okay? I expected a little bit of a round of applause because, you know, <laughs> I'm not being funny. Yeah. 
I'm half dead because of it. Right. No, listen. No, I didn't expect a round of applause. I just like being clapped. But, you know, so when you have a job, it might be looking after children, it might be teaching, it might be local government, it might be being retired. <laughs> right? You know? <laughs> speed the day but it might be all that maybe business all of that is full-time misery ministry (laughs) Freudian slip right all of that is full-time ministry is it not because the question you ask is not oh lord what's the plan for my life it's my vocation is my calling so ask yourself so who is calling me and what am I doing about it Right? So you are in your place, you are in your lane, you are in your job, and you know you are being called on. Your response, just like Isaiah, is, here I am, send me. So when I walk into work every day, I don't have to think, oh, you know, if only I could work for Jesus. I am! If you work in a shop, every day you go to work, you go to work for Jesus. When you are raising your beautiful children... Every day, you are doing them to the glory of God for Jesus. You know, we are here together. So your calling is important. But you know what? In the modern churches, become a bit like um, spiritual top trumps. Yeah? I'm called to be a worship leader. No, you're not. No, you're, I'm, I'm saying this out loud. No, you're not. You are called to love the Lord your God. Right? Yeah, I'm called to preach the word, be top preacher in my church just saying that's what i'm called to do no you are not you are called to love the lord your god i am called to uh do this to that and it's like ministry top trumps isn't it you know (laughs) yeah you know i'm so glad people said this morning i'm so glad you said that your service is your service is your service this bit's lovely and some of you might aspire to this do not aspire to this aspire to a life that is lived to the glory of God through Christ Jesus. You see, the culmination of it all is seeing him face to face, not this. Okay? Do you get me? Are you get? Is this okay? Because what I want us to understand is, corporately, we can all get that, can't we? We're all in this together. That great philosopher, High School Musical, brought us those words. You know, so we all know it's a collective endeavour. We don't need to panic. We're all doing this together and it's okay. But individually, you can go home and feel wretched that nobody's asked you to do something. Do not feel like that. You are so loved and God has a plan that is for you. But more than that, he has a purpose that is for you. So when you are in the dead of night, because that's when it happens, isn't it? When you're lying in your bed in the dead of night, staring at the ceiling, and the demons come to drip their poison into your mind, that's when you think, I'm useless, I'm no good, they ignore me. Who am I? Who am I? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Let me tell you, there is nothing in this world that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So when they come whispering their hateful words into your heart and mind, you tell them, go and take it up with my father. Because he thinks I'm pretty amazing, actually. He's given me a plan. He's given me a future. He's given me a calling. And that is to love him with all my heart, soul and mind. And with everything and every bit of strength and power that is within me, I pour out to him for him. Right? Right? Because those dark nights of the soul are torture, aren't they? When you replay in graphic and hideous detail every wrong thing you have ever done, every wrong thing you have ever said, every wrong choice you have ever made, and it is there in glorious technicolor before you. And you think, how can you ever 
ever trust me, let alone love me. And God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. You leave behind what is behind. You repent, you walk on with him to the glory of God the Father in Christ Jesus. Are you understanding this? He wants you to live. He wants you to live and love. He doesn't want you lying awake in your bed at night, crying your eyes out, breaking your heart, thinking, I've done too much, I've come too far. There is nothing I can do of any worth that God would ever use. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Right? I say it now before you. If you are feeling that you are not good enough to serve Jesus, to worship Jesus, to love Jesus, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Because you are good enough. He died for you. That's how I know that. And I have to tell myself this, because you know what? We beat ourselves up, don't we? We beat ourselves up. And we think, oh gosh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. This might come as a bit of a shock to you, but I am quite talkative. Okay, and there are occasions where I can be a bit snippy and sarcastic. I know it's like it's like I know how shocking that can be because really, look at me, I'm so lush. But you know, but there are occasions where I can just you know, and I'm much better than I was by the way. But it's still there. You know, when somebody does or says something, I think, especially the young people you work with, I think. I could destroy you right now with my tongue. <laughs> if I let rip on you, you would be on your knees and I would love it. But you know what? I keep that and get rid of it. And I think, just say a few words, just say a few names. It's all right. Because it doesn't matter ultimately, does it? And the worst thing I can do is go home feeling smug and clever because I made somebody who's already in a world of pain feel a little bit worse about themselves. Yeah. Do you know what? That is selfish. That is selfish. And just because I feel better for saying it, because I stood up for myself and nobody talks to me like that, that is selfish. We need to challenge that selfish bit of us that wants to be made to feel better. That doesn't want to let people hurt us anymore. So, you're going to hurt me? You better get ready and step up to me because I'm going to come out swinging. No, you let that go now. Because your Father in Heaven loves you, sees you, and remembers you. You, you. you get that? Yeah. He remembers you. He remembers you. You are not lost to him. He sees you and he remembers you. And this whole thing about a vocation, a calling, is just, you know, you are called by the sovereign God to do his work. Can we get our heads around that? I, I, I don't know if I can. Do you believe you're called? That is, a, that is a key question, isn't it? And that is something you have to ask yourself and say, do I believe I'm called? Because if the answer is no, that's okay. <laughs> but you are. Yeah. Do, do you see what I mean? I don't believe I'm called, but you are. Right. And so you work with God with that. Isn't it? Let us reason together. Yeah. You are called. You are called. But two or more are in agreement. You know, the God he wants to walk humbly with you. That's what he wants to do. He walks with you. I love this. It's one of those lines in the Bible that just makes me want to cry every time I read it. He is the God who walks with you in the cool of the day. Isn't that just... That's what the Lord your God desires to do with you. He wants community with you. He wants intimacy with you. He wants to spend time alone, quality time alone with you. Because he loves you so much. And you think, me? And he goes, yeah. So who am I to tell the Lord my God no? Don't think about that. Who am I to say, no, no, can't be right, because I've done so many things wrong, see? 
rotter. That's what I am. So I'm saying no to you. So we withhold. Do you see, this, this is another key point, is that God desires to have intimacy with you. you he, he knit you together, didn't he? Yeah. You know, he made you. He knows everything about you. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. And yet, we want, don't want him to come close to us because we are ashamed of the things we have done. But what we are doing is stopping him. You know, he hasn't stopped, us lo- he hasn't stopped loving us, no. but we stop him from coming close. So it's my love. It's like putting, you know, it's, it's like a cork in a champagne bottle. You know, the champagne wants to explode effervescently, doesn't it? It wants to fizz everywhere. But we keep that cork rammed in because I don't think I deserve it. And God is saying, would you just let me love you? That is all you have to do. You have to let me love you because I'm going to love you anyway. So it's just way easier if you let me do it. Do you know, because that is when, as Christians, sometimes we question the plan God has for our life, isn't it? It's when we're not doing it. We're not in that reflexive place with him where he's talking, we're listening, where I'm stopping him loving me. And so I don't see his plan meet out in my life. And I ask, where's God in this? It makes you resentful. It makes you angry. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. You can question God, right? You can have a full and frank exchange of views with God. I regularly do. <laughs> he most often tells me, mind your own business, Andrea. But, you know, I, but you're allowed to say those things. Where are you? But if you are looking at your life in despairing because nothing you, are, you want is happening in your life, you have to ask yourself, well, where are you with God? Now, do you see what I'm saying there? This is no condemnation here. This is not a judgment call. This is me saying to you, you can't expect to see the goodness of God in your life if you are acting like a lump of hell. Yeah? yeah. yeah? Because what he's saying is, where I am here. You're going, where are you, God? And he's going, I'm here. Where are you? Where are you right now? I'm calling and you're not listening. So the choices we make very often, we think we can dress up as God, can't we? We... we Let's, let's, can we just be honest with each other? If only for half an hour on a Sunday morning, right, where we can say, that, like I said, this is a personal word, where we can say, how many times have you manipulated the plan of God to meet your own agenda? Right? Because it suits you, not God. So I will say, yeah, I really feel God saying this. I really feel God saying this. I really feel God has said that to me. God's not saying anything. God's going, well, I've got a plan. I don't need to keep reminding you about it because I know what's going to happen because I'm God. Just say it. You know, so it's so we manipulate things. We, in our misguided, I'm not saying sometimes we do this deliberately, it can be subconscious, but in our misguided desire to see the plan of God faster in our life, we make our own decisions and dress them up as God's. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Come on. Do you know what? If we want to grow, we need to be honest. And accountability and ownership is something that we need to get better at. If you want to love God, fab. You love him, he loves you, that's great. And you're thinking, but my life is so... Well, you know what? Stop dressing your plan up as God's. Listen to him, do what he's saying. It's a no-brainer. It works. (laughs) Incidentally, it works. Which brings me around to my second point about plans and purposes. Now, we all... Are you with me so far? Is this okay? What time is it? Because I could go for hours. So we're all okay. Yeah? So this is what we've got. We've got calling on vocation. He's calling, you're answering. And I want us to speak now about, well, what is this plan? What is he calling me to? So now we know. And everyone loves this verse, don't they? Jeremiah 29. Here we go. Let's get it up. Let's remind ourselves of the glory that is this verse. The most 
abused verse in the Bible, right? Does my head in? It really does, church. It really does to have verses taken out of context and trotted out like some sort of spiritual top trumps. Does my head in? I didn't need to say that out loud. I do apologize. It just, it just makes me annoyed. We all know this verse, don't we? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And we leave it there. That's it. So what we're saying is then nothing bad can happen to you if you're a Christian. Because I know the plans I have for you. And they're to build you up and prosper you. And nothing bad will ever happen to you. And there'll be cupcakes and rainbows and singing. (laughs) And glitter. There'll always be glitter. Right, you know? And you think, where does it say that? Because that is totally taken out of context. Because in that case, why do people die and leave us? Why do people fail exams? Why do people lose jobs? Why do people get abused? If God has a plan to prosper you. What this book is all about is exile. It's people being taken away, ripped out from the heart of God and transposed to a different land where they had no temple to worship in, where they had to fight for their faith and their belief, where these people were alone, but God sent a prophet, a hated prophet, incidentally, more kickings than, I, than the Saturday night in Llechli in the book of Jeremiah. He was hammered all the time. But he said, I will say these uncomfortable words to you, and I will tell you that what these Babylonians are doing to you is evil, but I know that God will bring you back one day. Because the full word, the full context, right, is this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon. Right, see, for I know the plans I have for you, and if you could make it so just after church, that would be awesome. 70 years. Right, you're ready to wait. This is what the plan of God is, okay? When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you. Banished you. The Lord banished them, declares the Lord. And will bring you back to a place from which I carried you into exile. Do you see, we don't like to think about that when we're talking about plans to build you up and prosper you. Do we? We don't like to think that actually there is a long time in Babylon before the plans of God are meted out in our life. There is a long, hard slog of patience of faith, of waiting, of like, Joseph was in a pit, then he was in jail for alleged rape, you know, none of us are seeing that in our plan to prosper us, are we? No, 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 surely my plan to prosper me, Lord, is where, you know, I mean, I'm thinking ultimately it ends with a mulberry bag, and, you know, there's just really lovely things happening in my life, and it's all fabulous. Yes, I might have to shed a tear, but really glamorously and looking still pretty while I'm doing it, you know? I'm not talking about having to visit hospitals where some, and watch someone you love dying. No, we're not talking about any of that. We're not talking about praying for years to see a loved one come to Christ. We're not talking about that, are we? We're not talking about being down on your knees, hands and knees before the Lord your God going, have your way. Because I don't know what's going on right now. So you have your way. Do you see what happens? 
But the good news, and this is why you read the Old Testament, the good news is this plan that God has to bring the exiles back does not diminish from the Old Testament to the new to now. So he's calling, 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 calling all the time. And we reach the cross of Jesus Christ, where we reach the fruition of all the calling. And Jesus says, not only do I have a plan for you, I have a purpose for you. And the purpose is this. We've heard this spoken on a lot in this church lately. Dan's spoken it so brilliantly. Matthew, yes, it's the Great Commission. That is the purpose of your life. So God calls us and calls us with the plans he has for us until they culminate in our relationship with Jesus where finally you have a purpose. And so it doesn't matter how long the plan takes to come to fruition if you are living purposefully with Jesus day after day after day after day. Are you with me? You understand that? Can we get the Matthew verse up, please, Lee? Because... He does know the plans he has for you. But they might not meet in with ours. But what Jesus says is, I've got this for you. And it's way better as well than just some plan. You see a plan, before we say this. Before a plan, if you want to follow a plan, it's usually in points, isn't it? You know, if you have plans, we have care plans in work. And it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, if this happens, you, you do this. If this happens, you do this. If you are just following a plan for your life and think that all it is is just formulaic plan following, when something goes wrong, it's like snakes and ladders. You go back to the beginning. Yeah? Go to jail, go directly to jail, do not pass go, do not... You know, it's just going round a board game until you've got a, you know, I don't know, if it's Monopoly, a hotel on Park Lane. That's like, you know, you, until you've got the reward you want. So you just keep doing the plan, doing the plan, doing the plan doing the plan, doing the plan, until you get something you want out of it. Do you see it? Is, is, is that making sense? So it's just following a set of rules to get you what you want. Whereas Jesus says, you go and make disciples of all men. But then surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. So when we are going about our daily life, we do it for him. And it's not about following a plan. It's about following the purpose Jesus has for us. Does that make sense? Is this being, you know, I, I feel like I'm saying loads and loads and loads and loads of words, but they're not joining up, maybe. Does that make, do you know, are you getting it? Is it going in? Because it's got to be in. Because again, if you just listen to me and thinking, oh yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. That'd be, yeah, that's amazing. That'd be brilliant. But it's not, if you're not doing it, it means changing. Hey, everybody loves change, right? <laughs> it means changing and being different and being braver and being humbler and being less entitled. It means going to God every day and saying, what do you want? And you know what? As Phil pointed out earlier upstairs, in everything, God prospered Joseph. <laughs> no matter what happened, even in jail, he prospered. So, you know, so whatever experience you're going through, it is part of Christ's purpose and he will prosper you in it. Even those horrible, horrible, horrible times, you will be prospering in it. Because if you are becoming more Christ-like, you are prospering in it. So we know that when Jesus gathered together the ones he loved the most, his 11 disciples, and he said to them, now you go and you are baptized in the Spirit and make disciples of all men. All men, not just the ones we like, right? All men. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. Is, are you with me? I'm going to finish now, right? So to conclude, 
I just want us to know and understand and grasp and get that God has a plan and a purpose for you, that he has a calling and a vocation for you. And you know what? You need to be fully persuaded, fully persuaded like Paul. I love Paul so much. Paul in the Bible was fully persuaded that he who promised is faithful. Yes? You know, be fully persuaded that your God is mighty to save. Be fully persuaded that he loves you with an everlasting love. Be fully persuaded that he is your rock, your shield, your portion, your high tower. He is your salvation. He is your ever-present help in time of need. Okay? So that you can meet out the purpose of God in your life. Not for you, but for the glory of God the Father through Jesus Christ his Son. Amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.